Hey everybody, Monday, 14th of June. Boss was laughing at me, I'll talk about that later, but uh, got up this morning. We, we have had a, an interesting week around here, just a lot of little things, nothing bad, it, it's all positive, a few cow things going on that, that were good, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, what just just a normal everyday life uh, around the operation, and I, I, you know, people term, you know, the farming and everything else, I, and I say it's more like an operation. There's lots of moving pieces, lots of different things going on. Um, yeah, the grain markets are down today. They changed the forecast. They say we're going to get wetter. Now, I look at our forecast, and I don't see a, a quote-unquote whole lot wetter there. We're going to continue to be dry this week. Maybe uh, late Thursday, Friday, they're talking about a chance for rain, uh, that's a long way to go, uh, and, and I know you're going to say that's only four or five days, but in weather, you know, wait 24 hours, it can change, and and the forecasts do change, and, uh, you know, Judy was bringing up, and I'm going to digress a little bit, you know, we all have cell phones, and we get the latest updates of the weather by the hour, and if you follow Twitter, there's all kinds of private weather outfits that are throwing you know their two cents in on it and a whole lot of stuff going on and she's like man what did you guys do years ago and I said oh my god you had to be quiet at like 20 after six because that was a local weatherman was getting on there and if you had a, maybe a couple tv stations that did the weather and sports a little bit different from each other you could get two weather forecasters looking at it and you, you know you as soon as the paper showed up you went and you looked at the weather and you maybe just kind of tried to predict it a little bit yourself, you know, a big front would go through, you'd figure, okay, I got time to cut it before the next front comes through. And that's kind of how we did hay a long time ago. Uh, now, um, we watch the weather and watch the forecast change minute by minute. And l last night, I won't, I won't mention who it is, but a, but a big major company, one of their advisors, was talking about, well, the corn market's probably going to be 20 higher because of the dry weather and all this other kind of stuff. And, of course, this morning, now that they've changed the forecast, the corn market's 20 lower. Uh, <laughs> not like being 40 cents wrong, and I'm not beating up on this, this individual who made this prediction and forecast because at the time it was probably correct. Um, it's just that they changed the forecast on them. And, um you know, the, the the markets are going to go up and down. We're going to be volatile. It's going to change with every forecast. If, if I, I think now we're maybe in a point at the price point in the markets that we're going to have to have the weather prove us either right or wrong, depending on how you look at it. Um, you know, I, I think that the tendency is going to be whenever we get any kind of a positive forecast to run this thing down, and if we get a negative forecast, I think it's going to be like, well, yeah, sh show, show me that we're not going to raise a crop. So I think we've kind of flipped the market a little bit into any kind of news runs it to the upside and, and it takes solid evidence to run it down. Whereas I think now where any kind of news runs it to the downside and it's going to take solid evidence to move it up. But if if all these quote unquote weather forecasts, weather pattern changes, all all this other stuff does not <clears throat> happen, then I do believe that that we run this thing and we we run it higher at some point. 
Okay, let's talk a little bit about um, USDA's come out. They, they're talking about some changes they're going to do in the Packers and Stalkers Act. And I know you grain farmers are going to say, ah, this has got nothing to do with me. Well, what, number one, livestock eats a lot of your grain. Number two, uh, depending on what the Justice Department does with the livestock industry, will probably have some determination on what they will do if there's continued consolidation in the grain industry and or, I'll use an example of the railroads, if there's a continued consolidation of a component of the ag industry, i.e. the railroads consolidating up and getting a stranglehold on, on what they haul, when they haul it, how far they haul it, um, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I know grain elevators in central Illinois that in the wintertime when the river freezes up would love to get a rate for a 75 or 100 car train rate to St. Louis. But the railroads aren't going to haul that because it's only like a, probably, probably be just a three hour haul with a train. Maybe by the time you figure hooking it up and unhooking it, it's four hours, and they're just not going to do that with a train crew. And so literally they will not give these outfits a rail rate um, to haul it. And so you continue to get consolidation within a lot of industries. So I digress a little bit. Now, whoever writes this stuff at USDA, and I know some of them, and, 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 it, and these a lot of these are career people that don't change, but this was, I'm pretty sure written by a political policy person, probably out of the White House. USDA touches the lives of all Americans each day in so many positive ways. And then it goes on to talk about how the Biden-Harris USDA is transforming America's food system. Uh, more local, more regional, healthy and nutritious food. We always say that, don't we? I mean, are we ever going to tell somebody we're not going to give them healthy and nutritious food? It, it, but... Food in and of itself is healthy and nutritious. If it's got, I mean, it, it's got protein, it's got carbs, it's got, you know, vitamins, minerals. I mean, you know, may not taste as good, may not be what you want. It's maybe cucumbers instead of tomatoes, but, uh, oh, well, you talk, they talk about building new markets and streams of incomes. I, I love it. Farmers and producers using climate-smart food and forestry practices. Yeah, that's what I want to do is I want to use some practice that's going to destroy my soil and go against the, the weather. But, you know, we got, we got to say it. We got to make it sound good. But they also talk about the $4 billion that they're spending through this Save America Act that's going to help. What's going to help, my opinion is you do something like what Grassley's wanting to do and saying, hey, half the cattle's got to be cash traded. Now, there are a number, especially in NCBA, you have a number of packers and you have a big number of custom feeders, custom operators that in no way, shape, or form want to have uh, anything but, but contract cattle. Uh, they don't want cash-settled cattle. And, and I know I... I I keep hearing them throw up the state of Idaho. The state of Idaho uh, doesn't want any independent cattle. And maybe there's no independent cattlemen left out there. Maybe they contract at all. Um, you move into a state like Iowa and there's a lot of cash-traded cattle. I, I, just, I just know that, um, if, and I can say this, if you're going to raise it local, if you're going to do it uh, and raise a premium product, 
for people to buy buy the piece, you need to unhook yourself from the market. You need to do it at cost plus because you can't you can't lose money and do that. I mean, why why do you want to spend? And I'll use the boss with her with her meat broker business. Why do you spend want to all spend all that time and effort and money and not make any money at it? And so you're just going to look at your costs and it's going to be cost plus. And, you know, I hate to say it this way, but if you're wanting Walmart prices, you're not Judy's customer. She's wanting somebody that wants really high quality, that wants a good tasting product, wants to know where it comes from, uh, wants to know how it's raised, and are willing to pay for it. And 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 if they're not willing to pay for it or able to pay for it, that's really not who she wants as a customer. Uh, she's, you know, uh, and, and it's amazing. I'm just going to tell you farmers this. Because uh, you, all you farmers, not all of you, but a lot of you are cheap. You're always trying to beat your suppliers down. You're trying to save 25 cents an acre on, on your fungicide application. You're trying to save... You know, a buck an acre on your seed. You're, you're, and I get that because we're in a commodity business. And the more you can produce at a lower cost of production is more money in your pocket. But people don't want to buy, or a certain subset group of people don't want to buy cheap because it's perceived that the value is not there. And, and people tell, tell Judy just how, you know, they can't, they can't buy meat in the store to taste like this. And, and I think the way we feed them, the way we do it, that's probably true. But uh, I, I just find it interesting that we're touting $4 billion that we're spending. And, you know, the cl climate change is thrown in there and, and all this other kind of stuff. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that maybe Charles Grassley's on to something. Uh, you know, years ago... They, they made the Packers and Stockers Act, and they made it all go through a stockyards or a sale barn. And they made it where the Packers could only own cattle for so long, a short amount of time, basically, to pick them up and to get them to their processing facility and get them processed. And then that all went away, uh, basically, because Ronald Reagan said, hey, it's a free market. People can do whatever they want. But is it really a free market when it's controlled by about three people? And, and I'm, I'm going to throw this out there, too. If you own the cattle basically from cradle to grave, and it's a little bit past cradle, but th there are some agreements that they're working with cow-calf people now on kind of contract buying the calves. You don't care what the price of live cattle is. You only care what the price of boxed beef is. And the price of boxed beef is pretty high right now. Uh, and the independent cattle person, I mean, if you got a feedlot and have to sell to the packers, it's tough right now. And and the fact that we've slowed the hog chains down, which means we're not going to speed the cattle chains up. Uh, you know, there, there's there's some things there USDA could do uh, to help out uh, the livestock industry, but they're probably not going to do that. Um yeah, I mean they they've changed a little bit of the like three rules. I mean you don't you don't have to now show that you actually been harmed before you can file a complaint. You can just file a complaint and they're going to look into it. Um, you know, 
Um, and COVID messed a lot of things up. But I can tell you that the local knowing where it comes from, uh, I want to know how it's raised, and I want a really, really quality product. That's been gaining steam before COVID. I can tell you the one thing COVID did. I can't tell you the number of people that I had call me and ask me, Bill, are, are my, is the meat I buy in being processed by people with COVID? Uh, that's not my deal. I'm not in charge of that. I don't have anything to do with that. You know, I mean, you, you those questions were raised out there by people. And there was a lot of people working in a lot of places that probably didn't even know they had COVID that maybe had COVID. Maybe even before we actually knew the COVID thing was going on. Who knows? But I think, I think what went on in the packing industry there uh, when they couldn't get livestock processed and you had livestock piling up, got a lot of people thinking about, quote, unquote, wow, that's really where my food does come from. And I think it's, I think it's helped by the local. And, and I can tell you that certain people are going to try buying the local and, and they're going to go back to the, to, to the way they've always done it because either one, they're, they're not going to pay the price, or two, they, they just don't have a big enough freezer and it's just easier just to drop by the store and buy one package of meat on the way home. Or they don't save up a couple hundred bucks. I mean, literally, they, they don't save up a kind of a hundred bucks because they literally live $20 to $20 to $20. But there's a fair number of people out there, once they go local, they're not going back. And if their local supplier goes out, they're going to find another local supplier uh, because they like it. Um, just talking to a lady that I've known for a long time and... Uh, she, she dropped by and picked a whole bunch of stuff up from Judy, um, basically for her and her sister. And she, she just basically said she loves the idea. That she, and I mean, when she said, she, I love the idea of knowing where it comes from, what it is, the quality, all this other kind of stuff, she was sincere in that. She, she just wasn't blowing smoke. She was just like, yeah, you know, we're, we're just, I, I hope you guys stay in business forever because we're going to do this. It's opened my eyes onto some things too. You know, for a, for a certain amount of people, price is not an object. And I, I think the, the farmer thinking in us, price is always the object. Because we're always thinking about the price of what we're getting and what we're paying. We're always thinking about that. I mean, we could talk about the grain markets this morning if we wanted to get into the whole deal there. But the Packers and Stalkers Act, a few changes coming. We'll see if they're, if they're positive, how they go about it. Um, I find it interesting. JBS has left uh, NCBA, NCBA. Um, I actually heard an NCBA official say that maybe right now to solve some of the problems in the, in the packing industry with the labor situation is they need to take some of these record profits from the cows and just pay people some more money. Now, I know long-term they're not going to want to do that, but I've been saying, and people that have followed me for years, if your business model depends on cheap labor, the demographics are going to get you. I mean, people just, quote-unquote, one, aren't going to work for that, and two, there's not as many workers as there was before, even if we bring in a whole bunch of immigrants. 
Uh, and, and we have a, a large group of people that are getting older and are retiring. And then we have a subset of people that are somewhat unemployable. And I get that and I know that and I understand that. Um, you know, somebody, you know, I'll use it again. You know, years ago, you had somebody that drove a tender truck for the local fertilizer plant that smoked a little dope every weekend. Well, we went to doing drug tests to everybody and that person was like, mm, don't need the job. Find something else to do. Going to go on down the road because I'm going to smoke a little dope every weekend. That, that's, that's what that individual's saying and doing. And guess what? They're making it work for them. And we just lost a, a pretty good employee that, yeah, you maybe didn't want them uh, on Saturday afternoon, Sunday morning working for you. But by God, Monday morning, they were there and they were sober and they worked hard all week. But that, that's gone. Well, I've kind of delved off to a number of things here. Um, it's a Monday morning. Grain markets are down because they changed the weather forecast. But surprise, surprise. Um, and we'll talk to you folks all tomorrow.